Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving Olive in June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. The following is a presentation of the Force Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center Podcast feed. That means, friends, I'm Ken Napsok. And inevitably, it means I'm Joseph Scrimshaw, and this is one of our News and Cues episodes. We're going to talk Star Wars news, and we're going to take your cues. That means questions, because just yelling, take your cues, suddenly sounded scary to me. Or it sounds like a Sesame Street sketch. I'm wrong. <laughs> Horror Sesame Street sketch. Ernie and Bert are going to steal your cues. Watch out. 
Watch out, indeed. Hey, this is a fun episode for us because it is the uh, next in the uh, line of the new chapter for Center, the, the next millennia. <laughs> we uh, had a lot of fun celebrating episode 1000, the overall 1000th broadcast. Uh, Joseph, it was great to be in the same room with Jennifer and sharing a show with her again. Yeah, that was just so much fun to record. I'm really glad that it's a, a released. Uh, as the listeners know, we record on Monday. So as we were sitting here recording it, uh, recording this episode, which will be released on Tuesday, uh, we just released our 1,000th episode, and people have been very kind about it. And man, was it, it was just so much fun uh, to look back and also to catch up with Jennifer. So a thrill all around. All around, indeed. And because of this episode, because of this milestone, then, you know, we, we are... Uh, to, to holding a cocktail to the sun and taking a picture of it like Joseph does so excellently and just kind of cheer, cheersing all of you in the community for making this possible. A thousand episodes uh, becomes uh, pretty pointless if no one's listening. So <laughs> I've done a, th- a lot of things a thousand times and have no one pay attention. Yeah, we absolutely would not be getting to a thousand episodes or celebrating them if it yeah. wasn't for such a great community of, of listeners. This is our news and cues episode, the second half of these episodes are always because of audience and, and because of listeners and because of this community. So yeah, great yeah. point. Yeah. Yeah. And a thousand episodes in, and I still sometimes don't know what I want to say on air kids dream big, dream big. <laughs> One thing I do want to say is we have a wonderful commemorative poster designed by the great Brian Ward, Brian Ward. A lot of, you know, know his work now. A lot of you are familiar with his work. You should be following him and seeing his work. Schmodown posters, parody posters, t-shirts, and the Force Center logo that you see, that uh, Force Center, the font and the uh, podcast droid uh, up there as well. And uh, Brian put together a wonderful poster uh, with uh, Jedi Joseph, uh, Jabba holding glass, holding Jennifer and uh, green, uh, no, blue milk holding Ken. That's me um, holding the blue milk. And it's a wonderful thing. And it's got the podcast droid uh, in living color, so to speak. So we want to share that with you as a reward. So, Joseph, uh, we've, we've got a nice little Patreon plan to kind of roll out this poster. Yeah. Yeah, that is exactly right. And to pull the curtain back even more, I'm just not going to let any curtains stay in place. I, Brian Ward, of course, did a design. Ken, you did a ton of great work getting this poster uh, made and setting this all up on Patreon. It is, this poster uh, that we used uh, on the social media is going to be available to patrons at the $10 and the $20 level. And you're going to actually send them out, right, Ken? Yeah, so here's the deal on that. Uh, these will be mailed out after September 1st. They're rewards. They're not merch through Patreon. So if you're already supporting at those levels after September 1st, uh, your addresses will be uh, there for me uh, to send out. Now, uh, $20 supporters, you've already provided your address. A note, if you're a $10 supporter, uh, maybe you have to go in and update your address. We just now asked for that. Uh, that uh, That's for those who've been supporting that level. Now, we also have other supporters at uh, 3 and 5. We want to be able to share this with you to help us cover our, our, our shipping costs, though. What we're doing is, is this. Anyone that upgrades one time, all you got to do is one time upgrade it. Uh, you will get that poster sent out as well. And then right now, anyone that upgrades to the top tier, the $20 tier, will get those four center trading cards also designed by the great Brian Ward. And we'll waive the two month minimum pledge that we have for those uh, cards at that level. You'll get that whole package out. 
Um, uh, these tiers help us cover the shipping costs that we're handling ourselves here. And uh, that's kind of rad. And then you can get this poster, uh, put it on your fridge, frame it, uh, uh, you know, sell it down the line. I don't, we don't care. We don't care. No, <laughs> just it's part we want to celebrate. We really love the work of Brian and we want to share with all of you. Uh, so uh, that's that. And then uh, anyone who's not a Patreon supporter, we're going to uh, see down the line here. We'll have some uh, excess uh uh, inventory, and we'll we'll talk about uh, selling it directly, Joseph, if the demand and desire is there. Yeah, exactly. So right now we're we're getting it out to the ten and twenty dollar patrons. Uh, uh, Ken is just going to be mailing away. It's going to be amazing. And then, like we said, if we hear demand, uh, we'll try to figure out a way to sell it to anybody else who's interested. And I just got to say, Ken, this is uh, just a fun moment for me because I grew up watching Doctor Who on PBS and there would be the interruptions as uh, the PBS uh, station did their big pledge drive. And I would be like, oh man, I need that Doctor Who tote bag. Ah, <laughs> if I could just convince my parents. Uh, so I had a flashback to that when I heard you breaking it all down. Right. Yeah. And, uh, it, you know, it's, um, I'm really bad on that side of it too, where this is, uh, you know, we, we do this for fun. This is also our uh, business, you, me and uh, Jennifer. Uh, and, and sometimes it's just, you know, it's hard to accept the love and support of people. I'll just say <laughs> I hear you. I get you. But we are very, very lucky. Like like you were saying, we wouldn't be here if we didn't have uh, people's support. And now I sound like a pledge drive, but we just we want to celebrate going through this whole journey with everybody. And this is a way to do it and to celebrate Brian Ward's art. because Damn, that is amazing. Uh, Brian's the best. Uh, you know, one of my uh, favorite memories of 2019 Sarah Celebration was walking around with you and Brian Ward on the floor a couple times, but there was a one big trip we took and it was just fun seeing all three of us peel off at one point or another to, to see a toy of our dreams. <laughs> exactly. I can't wait to peel off again. Yeah. Uh, Anaheim, here we come. Uh, all right. Uh, before we get to the news, uh, we always want to remind you today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30 day free trial at audibletrial.com slash four center over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle or MP3 player. A little bit later, as always, we'll have our four center recommends an audiobook we think you should try out on us. And then we have another offer, Joseph. That is right. Insight Editions. They are a publisher of a ton of great Star Wars books and other pop culture books. Ken has a large book of photography of Game of Thrones. There's so many things that Insight Editions have uh, that could end up on your coffee table just like Ken's. Uh, they are offering 35% off across their website with a special four center code. To get your discount, you can enter the coupon code FC35 or you can visit the website with this link, insighteditions.com slash discount slash FC35. This week, we are continuing to recommend the Inside Editions book, Secrets of the Jedi. Very soon as we get into this spooky fall, the companion book, Secrets of the Sith, will be released. So check that all out with the code FC35. Check it out indeed. I cannot wait for that Sith book. It's it's kind of wrong to say that, right? Like, I can't <laughs> wait to learn more about the Sith. I can't. I Like we said, I think it's going to be Sheev's burn book. I can't wait. Can't ah. wait to see who he thinks was a good Sith and who sucked. Oh, man. I'm going to start humming the verb bittersweet symphony at the end of that. <laughs> celebrating the She's Burn book. Um, we also, uh, in addition to talking about the news, which we're going to do in a second, we always love to catch up on a little bit of Star Wars life adventures. I don't, I, you know, short adventures for me, Joseph. I watched a lot of Indiana Jones, which kind of counts as Star Wars adventures, right? That is absolutely a Star Wars adventure. They're, they are so connected, not only by uh, Lucas himself, but just by like the aesthetic and the, it was, you know, Indiana Jones is such a different way to approach the adventure serials that thrilled Lucas as a kid. You know, they are tied together. So I think that's a big Star Wars adventure. Yeah, it's always it's always fun. I've, uh, you know, 
I, I, I love Indy. I always say like, like I'm the only one who has this opinion in the world, but Indy's my favorite cinematic character. You know, I just, so I just love the character. I, I was a big fan of the young Indian, Indiana Jones Chronicles TV show as well. A lot of fun. And yeah, the references, the playful references from Spielberg, even going to ET on, on good people association. We watched ET last week on a watch log and that famous, you know, ET reacting to the kid dressed as Yoda is something that's fun. And then the Phantom Menace, uh, you know, toss back from George, but, uh, to see the Star Wars references all through the Indiana Jones films, including, cause I had not, we watched Crystal Skull. That's a separate podcast. And, and I, I'll <laughs> tell you this, I, I don't dislike it as much as people maybe want me to dislike it or, or I'm told to dislike it. I, I, I think it's got some flaws, but I actually kind of enjoy it. And one of the things I forgot, Joseph, in that movie, in that movie, Indy says, I've got a bad feeling about this. I forgot that too. Yeah, just says it. Just says it. I was like, that's hilarious. I totally didn't remember that. Totally forgot. Oh, that, you know, it's uh, it's amazing that they didn't have his son go, is that from Star Wars? Well, actually, it's still too early. Maybe in this next one. I hope that Indiana Jones actually just goes to Star Wars. I hope it's set in 77 and Indiana Jones is uh, lined up at Grauman's Theater. Yeah, yeah, there's something going on at Grauman's and they got to go, oh, that'd be. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I really like, uh, I think, uh, the the fourth one, the Crystal Skull, has a lot going for it. Uh, and that uh, actually ties to some of the the whole history of the adventure serial influence for me that it would. Anyway, that is another podcast. I'm yeah. going to stop myself right now. Indiana Jones said a lot of fun. And then uh, your final note, we were, we were watching, uh, Grace and I were watching Temple of Doom. We're, we're, we're doing it in the weirdest order. We watched Last Crusade, King, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, Temple Doom, and then uh, tonight we're watching Raiders at the time of this recording. <laughs> uh, it's all over the map. But, uh, the Benjamin she, Button order of Indiana yeah, yeah. Jones watching. Yeah. She's familiar with them all and, and a fan as well, to be clear. Um, but I, you can't help but sometimes be the uh, hey, did you know guy. Not the well actually guy, but hey, did you know guy. <laughs> And we were in the uh, watching the opening of Temple Doom. I said, you know, "Do you know the name of this club?" And, and she said, "Oh no!" And you know, I drew out the tension for a little bit. I'll admit, <laughs> I said, "It's Club Obi Wan." And wow, that's so cool! I had no idea. And then, of course, you see it on the wall there. Uh, so uh, it, it runs deep. It's a, uh, it's a, uh, it's absolutely a Star Wars adventure for me. Yeah, that's a great one. Uh, I also had a kind of a short Star Wars adventure, but a, a, a meaningful one, a fun one. Um, went to a friend's uh, birthday party and a nice uh, all-vax birthday party. It was really great <laughs> uh, to have that comfort and to see people. And, uh, you know, it was a lot of people I hadn't seen in a while. So there were a lot of uh, catch-ups on, like, how's it been going? What are you doing? How did you uh, make it through uh, this section of the challenging yeah. times? Since the challenging times are not over. Um and I, I was telling people about Force Center uh, and a couple of times just kind of really uh, I surprised myself with how uh, how vehement I was <laughs> about what a good experience it is. But in particular, just talking about, you know, I think people who are, you know, in pop culture or in pop culture coverage, there's sometimes can be a heavy side during these conversations because uh, I was talking to some people about like that some of the MCU discourse as the Disney plus shows are rolling out is, you know, MCU has been around long enough now that people are starting to get grumpy and picky right. about which one's good and which, which creator screwed up and why, and rah, rah, you know, like and, yeah, MCU is starting to take on some of that baggage that, you know, our wonderful star Wars discourse does have. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of coming out of that, you know, I was saying like, what a great experience it's been to, do for center and to share our honest thoughts, share our honest criticisms, but also just, you know, try to encourage uh, ourselves and listeners to just kind of take a deep breath, 
accept the things you don't like and really, you know, examine things for what they are mm. instead of having the real knee jerk reactions that that lead to anger and, and lead to this locked opinion of this one's good. This one's bad, period, you know, uh, in those larger cultural things. And at, at one point, you know, I'd had uh, my second drink and I was like, it, it's all about Jar Jar, right? It's about empathy. It's about seeing that everybody matters. And I kind of lost the person I was talking to a little bit when I brought up Jar Jar, but they got the big picture and that's what matters. Uh, I recently did that explaining uh, the best four center ep- episode of all time is our two and a half hours about Dexter's di- diner. <laughs> they couldn't understand it. <laughs> I understand. I understand. You you got to go deep to understand poor Dexter. Uh, yeah, no, yeah, but that's great. That's great. What? That's a that's a great birthday party. That you've yeah, it was a really it was really really nice. It was really good to to connect and and really good to talk to uh, you know a, a lot of different people who are engaging with pop culture and, and and really really struggling with that battle of we love it, but it's so easy to get so angry about it, and yeah. that takes the joy away. Does take the joy away indeed. Well, uh, cheers to uh, keeping the joy, celebrating safely, and Indiana Jones. Uh, Let's do that and look at the Star Wars news. This first story will give a light spoiler warning for the Ahsoka television program that's on its way out. If you want to know nothing and and just uh, do not know anything, feel free to skip ahead a bit. We put this uh, news story still in the rumor patrol. (laughs) But comes from The Hollywood Reporter, which, uh, you know, that is legitimate. And uh, they apparently bury an Ahsoka news bite in a uh, Marvel What If interview. Man, this was this was this was this was like out of left field. This was a little swipe, a side swipe there. Uh, So The Hollywood Reporter, THR, ran an interview with Brad Winderbaum, who was the new head of streaming television and animation at Marvel Studios promoting the What If series. Uh, and he was talking about animated characters moving to live action and vice versa. Pretty interesting interview. Even me as a, not a giant MCU person, uh, read through it and enjoyed what they're doing and uh, love the ideas behind the What If series and in the comic series as well. Uh, I know it came from that. But Joseph, this line slipped in. <laughs> Harley Quinn debuted in the 1990s Batman animated series decades before debuting in Suicide Squad, while Ahsoka Tano, the fan favorite Jedi, appeared in animation in 2008 before Rosario Dawson made the jump to live action in The Mandalorian Season 2. All right, great. Oh, wait, it goes on. Now, Dawson is leading a live-action Ahsoka spinoff for Disney+, Plus, with sources saying Lucasfilm is looking for an actor to star opposite Dawson as Mandalorian warrior Sabine Wren. What? Huh? <laughs> what are you saying, Hollywood reporter? Uh, Joseph, let's keep this in the rumor file. Uh, but this has the energy of being real. So let's discuss what this means for the Ahsoka series. The actual uh, the actor eventually hired, not named Tia Sakar, and the Filoni verse of it all. Let's dive into this headline. What's your thoughts here? Yeah, this is really, really fun. And I think a great uh, discussion of the back and forth between live action and animation. And I'm so I, I used to read those what if comics uh, when I was a kid. I'm so excited to see that on screen for MCU. Mm-hmm. I really, really love the first episode. Uh, so getting back to the Star Wars on our Star Wars podcast, if this rumor is true, right? Big flaming if um, it makes a ton of sense. I think it supports the timeline of events for uh, these shows that I personally felt uh, Filoni was was hinting at when he said, you know, not everything is maybe in chronological order after uh, some of the events of Mandalorian season two. I think it supports this timeline idea that when we see her in Mandalorian, uh, Ahsoka is getting information on Thrawn's whereabouts, right? And yeah. then once she has that, then we get that scene 
at the end of Rebels where she goes to Sabine and says, you know, I've got some information on where Thrawn and therefore Ezra might be, you know, let's go. So for me, it it supports that idea of that's kind of the timeline that we're dealing with. And if there, if news is breaking to, you know, big trades like Hollywood Reporter that they're looking for Sabine, yeah. that, that suggests that it's, you know, that she's a main character, uh, which would suggest to me all this is all, you know, uh, speculation hopefully responsible yeah. that you know the the main start of this show is ahsoka and sabine on the mission to find ezra yeah right it, it, it yeah it, it it makes sense now the the that mando two appearance everything you know basically west thrawn is, is how i kind of took that um and 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 it, here we are I, I i still have I guess I have to address, I, I have mixed feelings on discontinuing live action versus animation, but I'm just being, I don't even think sway, Joseph. I just am releasing whatever grip I had, whatever attachment I had on this being an animated series over the years. Because I do love Rebels so much, and obviously what they pull, up, pull off in Clone Wars and Bad Batch, I was there for that. And I just maybe wanted to see those performers get to continue that story. Those performers, Tia Sakaar, Ashley Eckstein, and, and, and the like there. Um but I, I don't know. I and and yes, Mando season two helped a lot too, and seeing some of the other characters. But this just—I uh, don't—I don't want to say feels right, but it just—I'm—I am I'm just uh, more and more okay with this idea to start that. Start my thoughts on that there. Yeah, I think I'm just coming from a perspective of uh, hopefully trust and patience. Uh, I don't mind uh, the Rebel story moving into live action because things have got to try new things. You know, um, yeah. the. Clone Wars, it's kind of the point of this article. You know, the Clone Wars being animated doesn't affect how much I feel like, yeah, that's Anakin. That's Obi-Wan. That's, you know, this is this important story that I think of now when I watch the movies. It's like the relationship between them is it's it's all storytelling. So yeah. I, I don't mind. I'm really happy to see this story continued, to see this story resolved. I also just really have a lot of trust that this will, however it's structured, this will be Ahsoka's story, right? That yeah. this is going to be her fulfilling something that is going to be defining for her, right? That mm -hmm. it isn't just like, oh, Ahsoka, I know there's been some fan concern of like, this is supposed to be Ahsoka's show, but now it's just a Rebels continuation. Like, mm -hmm. I really trust uh, Filoni and all of the other creatives that will be involved to make, if the show's called Ahsoka, I think it will be about her going through a big journey and I'm happy to have these other friends here. The, the the thing that you did say that I wanted to pick up on is, yeah, I mean, I, I'm honestly, I'm, I'm bummed for Tia Sarkar. Yeah. Um, she's, uh, I think, uh, great. I, I think personally she'd be great as, uh, as Sabine. Uh, she mm -hmm. is a live action actor as well. You know, yeah. great stuff in The Good Place that I've seen. I know she's in a bunch of other stuff as well as both a voice actor and a live, uh, live mm -hmm. action actor. So um, that's a personal bummer for me, but <laughs> yeah. I let go of what I can't control and clearly... <laughs> decisions are being made behind the scenes about some actors are making the jump from voice acting and some aren't and uh, so be it uh yeah. so the, the last thing i'll say is i am excited for sabine being in this because i love the character of sabine but also if this is all kind of part of this mandoverse it's gonna be great to have another mandalorian perspective Oh, absolutely. Sabine is such a wonderful character. And yeah, I, I don't have any great insight or true words of wisdom on, on that kind of casting. I, I agree with you. I think uh, Tia Sakar is, is, is just a wonderful performer and, and is, uh, you know, was a leading ABC show too. I think with Zach Braff or something like that. I, I don't watch a lot of television anymore, so I can't remember it, but uh, she, 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 she's great. And, and, 
you know, Bo-Katan was the character literally designed to look like Katie Sackhoff from the beginning, right? There was like a little, not even a cameo, but like a, a guest casting. It was like, hey, let's, we got Starbuck. Let's base her on a character. I know, I know, <laughs> even Ahsoka was a little different. And, and you know, you wouldn't expect James Arnold Taylor to be Obi-Wan Kenobi at this point in a, in a live action show. So I get the nature of the business. I get it, but it's... um and that, and I, and I think a lot of people are feeling that. And as again, they felt with uh, Rosario Dawson uh, in, in Mando season two, right? Of just like the the performance. Not just that they are Ashley Eckstein or Tia Carr, just so these characters, but it's like I well, I'd love to see them get to continue to explore that character and and help make choices and help kind of um, you know inform the decisions of these characters we love. But yeah, you're right. You just gotta. What are you gonna do? Yeah, and, and there might who who knows all of the feelings and thoughts behind it. You know, mm-hmm. we we can't know everything, and uh, assume it is the decisions are being made. Uh, you know, for reasons. <laughs> yep, reasons, <laughs> reasons indeed. Uh, so we'll keep you updated on that. It's just interesting. It kind of you know, I'll take this some confirmation of this Filoni verse, if you want to call it that, or Favreau verse. Or just Star Wars verse because it's Star Wars and these are characters that exist in the story, in the galaxy, in this time. And you know, I I, I don't want to go. Uh, I don't want to ever ride off into the sunset not knowing what happened to Ahsoka and Ezra and Sabine and all those characters and the Purgles. Uh, so if this is one of the ways we get to touch that story, but I agree with you about while focusing on Ahsoka and her journey through it all, I'm there for it. Yeah, no, I want closure. I I want uh, I want uh, Ahsoka and Ezra and possibly uh, Grogu uh, to you know go to Mortis. <laughs> there you go. It's all all roads lead to Mortis. <laughs> exactly. That's the name of the next show that's coming up. It's the, or maybe that's the crossover event we were to promise. Yeah, um, I want to see Din Din Djarin in Mortis going. Is this a Force place? Is this a Jedi thing? What's I've going heard, on? I've heard tales of these. <laughs> So-called Jedi. Uh, so there you go. We'll keep you updated on uh, the Hollywood Reporter sneaking in scoops to their other interviews. <laughs> uh, next story up, we got a new Tales from the Galaxy's Edge, now retitled Last Call. This is the final installment of the ILM X-Lab VR series, Tales from the Galaxy's Edge. Uh, this will focus on Doc Ondor, sending players out to acquire valuable relics. Along the way, they will encounter two new characters, Lens Camo and Baron Atzman. Uh, Atzman, though, we should point out, was in Canto Bite for The Last Jedi there. I'll, I'll stop there, Joseph. You excited about more Canto Bite character stories? Absolutely. I believe his uh, his yacht is the undisputed victor, right, that goes flying off the uh, the waterfall? Yes. Yeah, I, man, just a great, a great background character. And I kind of love this because I think you and I have talked a lot about the experience that we had because of our age and the generation that we grew up in. If you saw the weirdo on the screen and if they got an action figure, then they became a much bigger thing in your mind because you got to play with them and expand them out of being just a a background weirdo. And this feels like the modern day version of that action figure obsession that we had is that if a background weirdo can get put in different storytelling and in particular a video game of some kind where people are going to have like, if you got to interact with them a lot, then the next time somebody goes back and watches Last Jedi, like, there's that guy I know really well now. There he is. There yeah, he is. so I kind of love that. I, I think we should have a Disney Plus series just called The Background Weirdos. Just let that <laughs> run wild. Uh, Lens uh, Camo is the daughter of scholars, and she's trying to keep relics out of the wrong hands. One of the wrong hands, sets of hands, being Baron Atzman. Uh, so we got some general thoughts on that, but I want to dive in a little bit here to this character, Lens Camo, and this relics and this relic hunting and 
more specifically, again, trying to keep relics out of the wrong hands. Joseph Director Jose Perez III described the story as swashbuckling fun with strong Indiana Jones vibes. So here's my big question. I mentioned Indiana Jones up top. It's on my mind. It comes <laughs> up from time to time in Star Wars. Dr. Afra. Oh, hey, she's an archaeologist. She's got some Indiana Jones vibes. You hear that? Uh, part of the Rise of Skywalker. Some of the, the clue searching, Pasana, Poe's outfit, Indiana <laughs> Jones vibes. And of course, well, Han Solo. So I want to dive in here. We talk about this character lens camo, but also the idea of, of could we ever just see a straight up, like a straight up Indiana Jones inspired Star Wars story on a large scale? And I want to give Afra a ton of credit here in this regard. I love Afra, very important character for a lot of different reasons, but uh, there you go. Uh, jump in here, Joseph. I'm drowning in the water that Indy's trying to uh, <laughs> get me out of. What do you think about all this? Water. Why did it have to be water? Uh, yeah, no, I love this, uh, this bit of Indiana Jones inspiration coming from this, uh, this game. Uh, but I, totally on board with what you're saying or seeing more of this. Um, another character that I think has dabbled in these uh, waters is uh, Mika Gray from Resistance, right? Yes. Um, you, yes. She's, she's kind of, it sounds like a similar thing. If she knows the First Order is hunting for uh, dark side relics and she's going and trying to nab them out of scary temples before <laughs> Kylo uh, and his uh, hunters can get their their evil paws on them. So I really like that. It seems like with both the Mika and with this character, there I like that focus of trying to keep relics out of the wrong hands mm -hmm. because it's got this great, you know, not only it belongs in a museum, <laughs> but it belongs not in the hands of Nazis. <laughs> yes. It should not belong to space Nazis. And I would love to see Star Wars. You know, it's this wild, rough and tumble galaxy that, you know, has a lot of uh, dangerous relics. I would love to see a little bit of a story of preservation, you know, of a story... Yeah. You know, that's one of the fascinating things about Indiana Jones. It's not actually great role model of archaeology, but it has that sort of theme of I go out and I hunt because I have to. But kind of my my true state is like a scholar. Right. Uh, yeah. In my in my suit, respecting and understanding these things and keeping them safe. Uh, and I'd love to see a little bit of that vibe of the, the people who are out there doing the rough and tumble adventure, but also be like, you know, worrying that they're going to put a scratch on the relic, too, because I really want to preserve it. Yeah, I think a lot of comedy, a lot of purpose, uh, a lot of a uh, lot of potential in a story like this. And it's just you're always, you know, Star Wars pulls from all these genres. We talk about this all the time that was built into Star Wars. That's what George wanted to do. And and and, and then he goes off uh, full bore in Indiana Jones with Spielberg. Right. Don't do Bond. I got something better. And I would love. Yeah, it, 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 there's some about it. Again, after again, I, I'm going to highlight after again. But I just think she only touches on part of that. And, and a lot of her story is other things. And it's about relationships and the, uh, you know, stuff with her father, her family, Vader, the empire, Santa Star Wars, her own just kind of chaos uh, and what she causes in galaxy. And is she good? Is she bad? It goes to so many other wonderful areas of, of the, of her own story. So you could maybe focus it up to be that, but I don't even know if that would serve the Afra character. Well, Afra just, I want Afra to be Afra. But another character come along and, and maybe it's someone like Lens Camo and you dive in, you follow that out a little bit more. I don't know to actually see what you're saying, too. Yeah, the, the great purpose, particularly, I mean, of, of all of them, there, there's a little bit of of, uh, of of all four movies thus far of, of Indies trying to take power out of the hands of people who would abuse it or mm -hmm. take tools and stuff out of the way. And that so that that aligns with Star Wars pretty easily. 
Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I totally think uh, everything you're you're saying about Afra is so well said. Afra has elements of Indiana Jones, but she is her own thing and she has her own priorities and all the Afra storytelling that that I've experienced and I think that's great. It would be really cool to have something that that also just kind of in the way it's communicated to the audience of what is this. Star Wars always has big ideas and always has some morality to it. But, you know, it would be really great to see something advertised that like this one isn't necessarily advertising the fate and the destiny and the depth and the the trauma. It's more like this is a fun, nonstop thrill ride yeah. because that element of Star Wars is always there and it always has been. But I think it has been sort of we talk about it a lot on this podcast, but partially because I think from just the general casual audience, I think that ingredient in Star Wars has fallen from popular imagination or popular knowledge. Yeah. So I think it's part of the reason when Rise of Skywalker comes out and people go, some people go, why is it moving so fast? Why is it moving like this? Is if you look at it from the adventure serial filter, you totally understand why it's moving like that. And it would be great to see a Star Wars movie that is really like advertised that way of like, or, or a story that, you know, it, it's like Indiana Jones. There's going to be some ideas. There's going to be some character development. But the point is an absolute nonstop thrill ride you know, a galaxy hopping, galaxy trotting thrill ride. Mm. Now that that's the pitch right there. A galaxy hopping thrill ride. <laughs> yeah. Love it. So uh, uh, we, I know we're not focusing so much on the game. Uh, Joseph and I both don't own Oculuses, so we're not playing the Tales from the Galaxy's Edge series. But this is, I do love about some of these smaller quote unquote side projects, not to disparage anything of uh, 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 going into this and, and director Jose Perez third uh, and, and, and his crew. But it's, I think it's fun for these, these kind of properties to kind of get some room to introduce these kind of characters and have fun and give a place for those background weirdos. Yeah. And you never know what's going to grow out of it. Maybe this uh, Indiana Jones type Star Wars movie we're fantasizing about will, will be about lens camo because it'll, the character will pop out of the the Oculus and onto the big screen. (laughs) Who knows? Uh, Last thought for me, the other, another twist that would be fun is uh, it, it would be an interesting new twist on this kind of archaeology adventure mm-hmm. if the character's goal was to keep the relics out of the wrong hands, but then also to return them to whatever people or culture the relics right. actually belong to. That would be a great twist. There, yeah, there you go. There you go. Uh, it can happen. It can happen in Star Wars. Final news story of the day, Indira Varma. She is, of course, in the Obi-Wan Kenobi show in an undisclosed role. There's some leaked photos out there. Don't look if you don't want to know. She was uh, recently speaking with the Metro News, a UK uh, news source there, uh, talking about other things. And this is, you know, we always joke, this is what happens. An actor promoting something else is going to get asked a Star Wars question. It's just the way of the world. She was asked about Obi-Wan Kenobi and her own relationship to Star Wars. So while speaking with Metro News, she described the vibe of the Kenobi production. She says, it's such a beast, like an octopus that needs wrangling, but I have a, I'm having a brilliant time. Obviously, I can't say anything about any of it, but uh, director uh, Deborah Chow and Ewan McGregor are on the acting side. I've somehow made it feel like an independent movie. Mm-hmm. Everyone has input. There are no frame tempers so what's our take there on this indie movie feel and uh, the apparent set harmony yeah no this is great news to me um i always take it when actors describe something like an indie movie uh, Mm -hmm. that it means that the the moments are really being discussed on set and that um actors are working with you know uh, what is sometimes called an actor's director right of really 
pausing and working to truly find the moment and that it's an environment where an actor can say like, I, I really, I'm not feeling this, this line. I need more help of what it means. Or can we just try one where we don't say the line, but I say it, you know, with my eyes and like all that kind of just getting in there and really working the scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that does happen more than some people maybe give credit for, for, for big budget films. Yeah. Uh, but I think obviously you hear from actors who, have a not great experience on a big budget film where it's just like, we just got to get, keep moving and we need you to stand right there. And we need you to look scared because we're running out of time and we need to (laughs) make sure you're in the right place so we can uh, CGI the dinosaur in later. Let's go, you know? Yeah. uh, Well, well said, sir. I, what you, you really touched on what I wanted to get to of just this idea of, uh, yeah, first of all, you know, I think of like Oscar Isaac saying, Hey, Poe needs a moment and here. And, and that kind of turns into the Poe at the, the, the foot of Leia's uh, you know, um, body as, as as Lando tells the story of we had each other a powerful scene and that kind of came from him going I, I I have a thought about my character so it does happen but yeah you're off you're right more often than not in these big 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 pictures it's you're you're part of a you're a spoke in a big machine and we're gonna get it we're gonna get it right and but it's also got to fit in the budget all those kind of things all those things I'm sure budget and time and everything going on but I I'm really encouraged by this idea of of what you're talk, talking about of, of of potentially let's figure it out let's all get in here and and find the best way to tell the story not that they don't know what the story is not that they don't know where they need to get to and not that the you know there there isn't um, probably maybe even some debate every now and then about what the, what is the best way forward but it just makes sense for an uh, even though we became a big movie star I think if still think of you and McGregor as an indie guy <laughs> oh yeah right. Absolutely. And I can really see him saying like, yeah, no, I really, I want to play this again. Ewan, Ewan has been very clear about the, you know, frustrations he had yeah. uh, feeling like he couldn't get into the world with all the green screen. And that yeah, it was difficult I, for him. So I can really see him saying, great, I'll come back. This volume is great. Uh, you know, the volume is, gives us a little bit of, of room. So we're not rushing. And I really want to sink my teeth in and I really want to be able to take the time and, and massage it. And yeah. yeah, I mean, I think for me, uh, I do not have a ton of experience as a screen actor, but I have a ton of experience as a, uh, as a stage actor and writer and director. And, you know, in hot take culture, sometimes I think people can think that, oh, if something is being discussed on set, that means there's a problem with the script or Ewan McGregor suddenly says, but, but I want to, <laughs> I want a scene where I do this because yeah. I want it. And that's not what these things are about. You know, they're about, we all know what the goal of this scene is. How do we do that the best, you know? And, and, and that is a natural and beautiful part of the project. It's not any sort of, to me, hot take, let's fix it on the set because there's a problem or change our minds or whatever. It yeah. is a beautiful, organic thing. And that's what I take of like, beautiful, organic art is being created and discussed. Yeah, absolutely. I, and, and again, I, they, I'm sure they did this on Amanda, a, any of these productions, but it's, it's just a highlight for her to highlight that. Um, and, uh, you know, a, a big time performer who was, you know, was part of Game of Thrones. And that's a show too, that it, it, it's, it's, it's got to, you know, you got, got to get things done and you got the bigger picture of play, but every one of those performers has, I don't want to say say of their character, but they know their character and they know the way they want to take it, but they also know what they got to do. Uh, and they got to try to pull something off, even if, uh, you know, they're, they're uncomfortable with it or something like that. But I, I, I'm thinking of like Dinklage really is someone who knows Tyrion. And, and I think, so she comes along in Dara Varma and, and she, she, she can perform big budget, 
small focus is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> there you go. Um, so the other thing she talked about is not really knowing Star Wars despite playing, and I love this, despite playing Princess Leia on the playground when she was six. She had the <laughs> hair that was right for it there, and no one else wanted to play the role. So we've been here before, Joseph, and, and, and we're okay. I think collectively at Force Center, we're generally okay with creatives not being too familiar with Star Wars while making it. Um, so I guess my question this time around is, even even you hear that I read this interview and I'm I, you know clearly uh, Game of Thrones not like me I'm a big Indira Varma fan she's absolutely wonderful so happy she's in Star Wars but even I hear that and go oh yeah it's like I want her to be like oh I I collected all the figures I'm a big fan <laughs> and even though in my head I'm like that doesn't mean you're gonna necessarily be a great Star Wars performer or tell a great Star Wars story but why why do you think our collective instincts sometimes react to this is is it this fear of them quote not getting right and understanding which is just silliness uh, but it's a gut reaction or we just we just want everyone to love Star Wars so much that we're just we just want them all to be there, right? Is it gatekeeping or is it too much gate opening? Uh, <laughs> I think we're uh, our our hearts are open to Star Wars, but as we've seen with Anakin, sometimes uh, when we love something, that can also uh, lead us to making. Uh, choices that are born out of fear. Yes. <laughs> that something we love is going to be harmed in some way. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, so, you know, I think Star Wars can help us through this. No, I, I really think it is for actors in particular, for somebody like uh, uh, Indira Varma, to, if somebody reacted negatively to, to that, I think there can be a fear of a lack of respect, right? Yeah. Um, the fear that because the actor doesn't know or love Star Wars that they aren't going to take it seriously or put in the work. And it's clear from everything else she's saying, like, yeah, no, um, it, it's awesome to know that she has the kind of character that is going to dig in and, <laughs> you know, get into the soul of the scene like an indie movie. Um, but I think it's clear that she is taking the role seriously. So I don't think we need to fear that. And then I think sometimes when we hear like from writers or directors that like, yeah, no, I, I don't know Star Wars super well. There is the fear that they will, yeah, get get some detail wrong, right? Or, <laughs> right. Um, or again, a, a lack of respect. But I just, I think, as a as an actor in particular, you know, you need to understand your character and your scene and the story you're telling. You know, yeah, I'm sure that she knows what she needs to for the scenes and and for this story. And if she doesn't know you know, exactly what year the Empire took over or how long until Darth Vader takes his mask off or, right. you know, Anakin's friend is named Kitster. Uh, you know, that stuff is, it, actors approach it in a different way. You know, it's yeah. a, it's emotional knowledge that's needed, not trivia knowledge. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, well said indeed. And uh, it's it's like I'm holding the mirror back up to myself here. Because again, I'm, I'm certainly not judging her for it. I just, I, I think I'm just, I, I'm like, Man, I, I just I want to I want you all to be on set just talking about Star Wars all the time, even though I know that's <laughs> not going to happen. Nor what if I was on set, I wouldn't want that to be the case. Um, and let's not forget, I, I still I think about that clip often of Favreau and Filoni. It's a uh, Filoni. It's like an Empire Strikes Back. I I've never heard of that moment. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. I, I still I think about that probably weekly. Yeah, when Favreau was like, yeah, "That's kind of a deep cut." Yeah, in in yeah. A, a thousand Star Wars nerds cried out in pain. Yeah. It's not that deep of a cut, John Favreau. Uh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And you know, obviously, a lot of uh, um, Rogue, the Rogue One reshoots, and now yeah. um, Andor. That's being led by somebody who clearly understands the story, but it doesn't have a huge, you know, relationship with Star Wars, and that that can work out really well. And I think one of the things that just does kind of give me faith in a lot of the Star Wars storytelling is, I think, 
you know, whatever the actual structure is, you know, how much of it is the story group, how much of it is, you know, big sit downs with, you know, Filoni and Kathleen Kennedy and everybody else. Like, you know, you, you can get little glimpses of them in the art of books when they share these conversations that I, I really think there's a, a big team at Lucasfilm who knows Star Wars, knows the big picture and makes sure that things feel right. Mm. I agree with that. I agree with that. And the final reminder for me, if I if I really deep down want every Star Wars performer and writer and director to love Star Wars like I do, I don't think in 1975 and 76 anyone on those sets loved Star Wars yet. It wasn't there to love. <laughs> I think Mark Hamill is the only one who would have watched Star Wars, right? Like Mark Hamill, beautiful, beautiful nerd man that he yeah. was and is. Uh, like he's the one who probably would have, like, if he didn't get cast, like, I still got to see that space movie. Yeah. Looks great. Aqualier Cellist. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, that's a look at our Star Wars news, and it's always just fun. Anytime anything Kenobi comes up, you know we're going to talk about it here on Force Center. Uh, we are getting uh, ready to take a break and get to your questions, but before we do, want to recommend an audio book. What do we have today, Joseph? Yes, we are. We've been recommending this a couple, for a couple weeks because we are going to get to it. It is Out of the Shadows by Justina Ireland, the next book in the big High Republic series. Download that or any other book you want to try by going to this location, audibletrial.com slash center. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash center to download your free audio book today. All right, we've hit the break. We'll take a break, reset, and come back with your questions here on Force Center. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. 
Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, Four Center friends, make sure you're keeping up to date on all the great content from Jennifer Landa. Whether it's YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok, you whippersnappers, Four Center's own Jennifer Landa continues to bring you fun, informative, and insightful laughs and moments. Also, Jennifer brings her experience and perspective as a Star Wars-loving mother to her DIY projects, blogs, and more. So be sure to head on over to JennyLanda.com. That's J-E-N-I-L-A-N-D-A.com for articles like how to make your own Darth Maul sneakers or 10 unique Star Wars baby gift ideas. Follow Jen on Twitter and Instagram at JenniferLanda and on TikTok as JenniferLanda1138. Welcome back to Four Center, my Four Center friends. We have hit the news. Now it's time to hit those questions. Joseph, what do we have today? Yeah, we got four questions. We have two from Twitter and two from our patrons on Patreon. We're going first to Twitter to Anthony Poirier. Anthony says, how do you store your books? Alphabetical by author or title, maybe by series, publication order, or how events occur in the timeline? More important, how do you shelve the nonfiction titles? Do they get their own space or mixed in with everything else? Uh, Ken, I'm going to pitch to you because uh, my shelves are, uh, they're in chaos right now. And I'm Mm. curious if you have order. I do have order. A safe and secure bookshelf. Uh, (laughs) Yes, no, mine is in timeline of all the modern ones. I do have, in the EU legend stuff that I do have, like the Zon trilogy, um, the Jedi Academy trilogy, I have those displayed somewhere or they're in some some plastic boxes out in my shed. But the the, the modern uh, Lucas era, uh, Disney era stuff is in timeline order, which is um, means there's always a lot of adjustments. The High Republic caused me to need another shelf. <laughs> down. Uh, and, and that's, you know, I don't, other than that, I don't get too specific. And then the nonfiction stuff, depending on the size, because, you know, I love a good coffee table book that. That's kind of a low-key obsession of mine, so I don't have enough coffee tables to do that. It's a lot of stacks of art of books, uh, and then uh, anything like our friend Chris Taylor's book, uh, How Star Wars Conquered the Universe. Um, there's a book I have called My My Best Friend Was a Wookiee. Like I, those Princess Diarist, those are on no release order. They're just in a shelf below, just that if you want to dive into Star Wars beyond the story, they're there for you. So you have a, a High Republic shelf, some everything else shelves, and then you have a Star Wars related nonfiction. 
Yes, indeed, indeed. And then uh, the, the Game of Thrones shelf is actually more of a toy display as well as a book display. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, my system just totally broke down. Um, yeah, I, I'm trying to have. I was trying to have them by um, the uh, order in the timeline. Uh, when I first started to, to set them up, I actually got a new bookshelf. My wife and I did about two, three years ago. Uh, and then that fell apart because <laughs> I ran out of room. So now they're all kind of piled willy nilly. Uh, when you say timeline order for you, that means you defy the type of book, right? So you'll have a shorter book, a taller book, and it just doesn't matter. You go crazy like that. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, Beyond the Awakening, or yeah, is that, was that the name of the book? Before the Awakening. Oh, Beyond. Beyond would not make sense. Before the Awakening is right there next to, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it starts, um, it starts now, well, not, like I said, now High Republic, right? The oldest thing. So so that's where it goes. And I have to shift everything. And that's why sometimes like an E.K. Johnston book, love them, had my books, but that means I got to go slide them into somewhere in the middle. <laughs> Yeah, this is, oh, I'm ex- I am excited to even think about that because that's the way I want my books, but they are truly everywhere. I have those, uh, I have like three shelves and then there are books piled in front of the books on the shelves. So sometimes I have to remove Star Wars books to look at other Star Wars books. Yeah. Uh, and then I have a separate pile of High Republic books that haven't even made it to the shelf except for Light of Jedi. And that's just a face out as yeah. like a little poster. Uh, actually, I have two different High Republic piles that I need to now merge at some point. And then I have a third a pile is not even correct. I have a chair that was meant for humans to sit in if they ever came over uh, to my apartment. That chair is now controlled by a porg <laughs> in a huge pile of nonfiction Star Wars books. That's like where right. all of the uh, art of and uh, some of the great books we've got from Inside Edition. So it, it is just utter chaos in here. Yeah, it's tough. It's because, you know, with the books, I love where you get more, but it's like, I, I remember one day I looked up, I was sitting on my couch and I looked at my shelf and I was like, oh, I'm going to run out of room again because the High Republic. Oh no, I got to shift everything down. And it causes some collector stress. It really does. They just keep coming. So in another thing for me that, that I run into problems is like, if there's a book that I'm really like, I really want to read this one soon. I want to keep it on top. I'm like, well, there's only one top to that pile. So you got to start a new pile. <laughs> So I actually do it. I forgot. I have yet another pile. I have a pile of legends books that I really want to read. Yeah. Anyway. Well, that's because like out of the shadows, because you and I are, are eventually soon enough. We're going to review that one. Our, our, our life schedules kind of cause that one to be put aside for a second, but like, that's not even on a shelf. That's just floating on a chair in my desk and my office. Yeah. That's on my nightstand on my to read pile. Yeah. None of these other piles aren't even to read piles. This is a nightmare, an utter nightmare. Nightmare, nightmare. (laughs) Uh, But I think the simple answer to your question, Anthony, is uh, we both separate our nonfiction titles. And uh, when the galaxy allows it, we put them in uh, Star Wars timeline order. Great question. Thank you very much, Anthony. Uh, We're going to move on to a question from Alejo. Alejo says, when I finish listening to Force Center, I usually turn on the radio and listen to NPR, which got me thinking, what would Galactic Hmm. Public Radio be like? What kind of radio shows would they have and who would host? This is a very fun one, Ken. Hmm. Uh, What do you think about Star Wars NPR? Well, that's a great idea. And I think I think some of it probably does exist. And depending on the era would be very different. Right. I I think, uh, you know, those 19 years between Sith and New Hope probably. Not the most honest radio broadcast. <laughs> nope. Yeah. You know. Guess what? Palpatine did something great again. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be like the Masameda hour. 
<laughs> oh, I'm sure they're interviewing Masameda all the time. And every once in a while, if he got it all upset, his long tongue would come out and it would flick the mic. And then they'd have to edit that part out. Ah, he did it again. He hit the mic. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So that would be that era. The other era is probably a little more hopeful. I would love the New Republic era, a return to honesty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's break this down by Eric because one of the great things is I did a little bit of a deep dive that there is a little bit of storytelling in uh, in books and some mentions in in Rebels material uh, that touches on the Imperial era that they have a Ministry of Information uh, mm-hmm. that is uh, attached to Compnar, a uh, Commission for the Preservation of the New Order, and there's even a character from Legends who's been kind of uh, mentioned in modern canon, uh, Polis Hacks. Uh, who is there to control journalists and make sure that none of them are writing any anti-imperial, anti-Palpatine sentiments. And there's even a character named Eris Harrow, who is a bureau chief. Uh, So I love that there is storytelling that nibbles on the edge of like, there absolutely is galactic public radio during the imperial order. And it is uh, all like, and now let's talk, uh, let's interview someone else about the 25 best things that Palpatine ever said. (laughs) How much life, your life was made better when your son enlisted in the Imperial Navy, right? Let's talk about that. so definitely, that's it for the Imperial. Let's talk about New Republic Age. Um, yeah. New Republic, or even going to after the events of uh, the sequel trilogy, the new New Republic, if there is one. Uh, what do you think's going on there in a more enlightened galaxy? Yeah, I think I think maybe there's a lot of analysis of what went wrong, right? There's an episode titled, <laughs> uh, or a series titled, We Should Have Listened to Leia. Uh, listening to Leia would have been theory. Analyzing how she was... Uh, you know, derided as a warmonger, a daughter of a of a monster, and and turns out that she was right, or maybe people don't admit it. Maybe that's part of the controversy going forward. I'd like to think the galaxies, at least for a little while, all on the same page, and so that the galactic new galactic public radio would, would touch upon uh, what went wrong and how do we avoid it again. Oh, I absolutely love that. Yeah, I think it would be a lot of a, a serious discussion. I think there would be a little bit more of a uh, commitment to open communication to make sure that happened doesn't happen again. I think there'd be an uh, interview series called a uh, citizen's fleet mm-hmm. uh, where mm-hmm. people would be interviewed because they showed up, you know, and it'd be you know, everybody's individual story of like, why did you answer uh, Lando's call? What motivated you? Where do you come from? How did it feel? You know, like and get everybody's perspective on the citizen's fleet. I think that'd be great. Um, I, I think that uh, Alarma Daisy should be running the government, uh, but if she's yeah. not, She'd be a great uh, public radio host. So I, I'd vote for Larma Dassey. Yeah. And then wouldn't it be a great surprise if uh, it turns out that Claude has a beautiful radio voice we didn't know about? <laughs> You're listening to the Claude Hour here, playing the finest hits. Yeah, I'd love that. <laughs> of course, you have Claude is absolutely uh, DJing uh, classical music in the Star Wars galaxy. Yeah, yeah here's another one from Lilo Primark. Yeah, and then uh, I think Strono Cookie Tugs uh, has a cooking show for sure. Oh, for yeah. sure. Yeah, for doing a galactic public radio. Yeah, you need that. That'd be yeah. It's fascinating stuff, and and, and you know, you could, and I think Rebels touched upon it a little bit, right? If I remember, just using media to communicate, at least uh, you know uh, addresses on the hollow, uh, you know, getting information out. But you could you could really dive into that and and maybe it's something that you use on Andor and and I know in the I think it was the Poe Dameron comic a journalist uh, there was a, that journalist character that kind of ends up getting involved and joining the resistance there, there's some fun ways to just like we're talking about exploring like Indiana Jones like a direct kind of a translation in Star Wars you, you could really have fun with uh, someone on the inside trying to get the word out 
Yeah, no, it's such a great thing that is established in Star Wars canon, and it pops up here and there. There's that great uh, journalist in the uh, From a Certain Point of View, you know, canon Jason, Empire Strikes Back books that's wanting to profile the rebel heroes. You know, there's bits and pieces of storytelling about, you know, Leia's a great uh, face of the rebellion, so is Luke, to inspire people, you know, like, it's a lot of great storytelling to be had there, so I hope we get even more. Uh, Yeah, be fun. Yeah, and then I think some droids would have a bunch of shows too, right? Like... Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd be great if a, a gonk droid had a, like a fix it show. <laughs> fix it show. Gonk, gonk. I'm trying to gonk. think. Um, you know, well, I guess three PL. Well, look, three PL's still going strong. So if we're post, yeah, he could he could kind of retire and just be the three PL stories. You know, oh, I, that would be great if three PL basically hurt, like uh, hosted a Star Wars version of the Moth, like three PL story slam. Oh, that'd be awesome. <laughs> Great question, Alejo. We're going to move on to our questions from our patrons on Patreon. This one comes from Brian Tiller. Brian says, hello there, Ken and Joseph. Over the past months, you have done some great shows and discussed books a lot. We have. Star Wars on the page was an excellent listen. Thank you. Uh, what I can't recall is if you have ever ranked what books you would like to see as a full-length live-action or animated movie. My top three starting at number three is Bloodline by Claudia Gray, a full-length animated movie. This allows the creators to make a fantastic Leia story. Just love the depth of this book. Second is a live-action Dark Disciple movie. Wow, live-action Dark Disciple. The world simply needs Asajj Ventress in live-action. Uh, my number one is Lost Stars, another Claudia Gray book. I love how she weaves a story through all three movies of the original trilogy and how we get to see viewpoints from the Empire. And heck, we need a good love story. So how about your top three? Cheers! Uh, this is great, uh, Brian. We've we've definitely discussed a little bit the hope that um, some of the the written stories could ever be adapted, uh, particularly into animation. But I like what Brian's throwing in here of uh, should any of them be live action too. So, Ken, where do you go? I, it, it's it, this Lost Stars is always an answer. It, it's it's all these years later, right? It's crazy to think that was what 2014, 2015 yeah. at, at the latest, uh, and it still resonates. Uh, be, just because some of the stuff that, that Brian's talking about here, uh, interesting characters in an era we know and love, and you can explore things about it. And yeah, just a big sweeping Romeo and Juliet love story. Like, I'm there for that. So I think that could still work. Uh, animation, all, all the book adaptation ideas kind of, I go to animation first, it just might be easier. I mean, look at the discussion we're having already today of, uh, you know, uh, Sabine and everything, a little bit different. I know, book to screen, but. Uh, so I go there. I, I, I go there as well. I got to tell you, I, 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 I really would love the idea of an animated movie of uh, Light of the Jedi. Mm. I, I think it's so good and it's so written almost like a movie treatment, but but more more depth, uh, I, I do believe. But let's just say you wanted to reignite interest or keep spreading the interest in the High Republic. And, and maybe some people are like, ah, I don't read Star Wars books. You put that out there, that that great disaster alone is 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 gripping. Right, it's gripping Star Wars storytelling. You put that in animated, some just some of the animation we've seen with Bad Batch alone this year, where they're at with some of the um, things they can do. Yeah, I think you would people be like, "There's more of these, but they're in books." I'm gonna read now. I'm gonna read. I'm gonna read. <laughs> Imagine Briaga's eyes when he realizes, you know, as light spoiler here, the moment where the great Wookiee Jedi, Wookiee Padawan Jedi, is so em- empathetic that he realizes something all the other Jedi don't. And his his beautiful Wookiee eyes realizing it. Oh, I'd love to see yeah. that animated. Yeah, um, yeah, man. yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I, it just uh, I can't I can't move off of that one there. And then I have to uh, one more, one more, one more. Um, it's hard for me to not want to go to like a. Um, it couldn't 
it couldn't be live action, but like that Rebel Rising. I mean, I'm not saying, mm. I saying I guess you could do it, but um, some of it's not too far before. I mean, eh, no, take it back. It is kind of too far. Um, but Rebel Rising, spending more time with Saw, Jin, and that whole era as well. There's something I like about that too. As well as I'll sneak one in. I always say Leia, Princess Valderon is an animated series. Or you could do live action series and expand on the young adventures of Leia. Yeah, Leia, Princess of Alderaan, you might be able to get away with doing a a live action uh, mm-hmm. because I think most of the characters that are the known characters uh, that you meet in that book are you know still yeah. acting and still around. Um, obviously, casting a younger person as Leia. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think the I'm really intrigued by the live action idea of an adaptation. I think I do get caught up in like. Yeah, Saj Ventures. We have not seen her live action. Uh, Quinlan Voss, uh, except for his cameo in The Phantom Menace. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Haven't seen him in live action. So that gets so thrilling. But then there's there's so much in there that's uh, with Dooku and with other, you know, big, important Jedi Council scene. And then there's kind of a little like, well, what do you do with that? Um, mm-hmm. So I, I kind of I vacillate about that. I am so in love, so in love with this idea of animating stories uh, written stories because it just it sidesteps all that of like great you if you get some of the actors who want to do their voices great otherwise it's voice acting and and obviously there's a history in that of Star Wars as we've been talking about of getting great voice actors to come in and do those roles uh, and there's just so many great stories I, I would I would be thrilled for Light of the Jedi to promote High Republic uh, but also just because it might increase the possibility of them making High Republic action figures as soon as possible. So I'd be <laughs> behind it for that. Uh, but I think my top three for me, uh, one is a comic book, The Rise of Kylo Ren, uh, four-issue mm. comic series. I think the sequel trilogy stands on, it o- on its own as the movies, and I think Ben's journey and, and Kylo's journey is is clear in the movies. But this is such a great compliment to it and you get to spend more time with the knights of ren and you get moments of luke in his prime um Mm -hmm. absolutely great thrilling stuff in this that i think a lot of people would be i think it would i think it would draw a lot of people back to the sequel trilogy i think it would have a relationship to the sequel trilogy the way the clone wars animated series did to the prequels that for some people who had issues with the movies and couldn't get into them then when they saw these other side of things it helped them in and i think an animated movie of rise of kylo ren might help some people into the sequel movies yeah I, that's a that's a great idea that's a, that's a winner for me too that that's that's really fascinating to think of it in that in that way too how could possibly i don't know that wouldn't be the goal of the show let's get people back it's just like let's tell our story the story that's there on the page and it might serve that purpose as well yeah it's just a great story and there's a there's a ton of just great themes in it there's a scene in there that i think about a lot because it relates to some of the ideas that we talk about of you know it's it's never too late to make a different choice and mm-hmm. th- that it, it deals with that idea really really well in a really interesting way so that's probably my number one for an animated movie uh then i'd, I'd agree with bloodline um because for some of the same reasons it's a great leia story but it it, uh, I think, it would draw in people. It's, Rise of Kylo Ren and Blood, Bloodline would both draw in people who are like, yeah, I don't watch every animated series, but I like the movies. And uh, oh, there's a new movie on Disney Plus, and it stars Leia. When and this is a story about how she kind of falls out of, uh, you know, favor of the government. <laughs> yeah. You know, that would draw people in. I think. You know. 
Yeah. Oh, and it, it, I mean, that's that's a big canon story with the whole reveal of of, of uh, her bloodline. I mean, that's that's uh, still one of my favorite things about that. And there's so many ways to so many themes for that new modern era, the new republic and what it means. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Hut Slayer, you know, mm-hmm. so much great stuff about that. And then for me, I think I would probably lean more toward seeing it animated, but I would love to see it. Yeah, a movie of Dark Disciple, you know, the yeah. the uh, the animation they're doing on Bad Batch in that Clone Wars style. Oh, man, would I love to see Dark Disciple uh, on screen in that way. Yeah. Yeah. And hey, we, we almost did, right? Yep. <laughs> that was uh, it'd be full circle, right? Yep. This, uh, yeah, this book that was an adaptation of an animated show now gets to be animated. That would be absolutely awesome. And, and I, I continue to think that there is hope for that because, you know, uh, right now the business model of streaming services are there. They are beasts that must be fed. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. And this it seemed like making animated movies would be a, a great way to feed the beast. Yeah. Uh, any other thoughts on that one, Ken? No, I mean, there there was a point in time where this conversation and these kind of, this type of question, which would come up on any any kind of Star Wars discussion, was way more fantasy based. Now there's that tinge of well, it's possible, as Joseph just said, that Beast needs some food. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? That's right. Disney Plus is hungry. Uh, moving on to our final question from Liam Toms. Liam says, "Growing up." Did you have a twin sons moment like Luke on Tatooine? I recently found an old photo I took of the evening sky from the Velux window of my attic bedroom in our family home and was reminded of the feeling I had of knowing there was a larger world out there. I was 17 and had drifted a little from my Star Wars fandom, so might well have missed the parallels at the time. But seeing the photo again through the rose-tinted glasses of my refound love for the franchise, aged 33, it couldn't have been clearer that this was that iconic moment in my own life. Thanks for keeping up the great content throughout the pandemic. You continue to keep me company on my daily walk up to a viewpoint near my house, where I always pause to look out across the town where I live. It helped during these times to be reminded once again of the larger world. That is a beautiful message and a beautiful story, Liam. And and thank you for listening and and taking us (laughs) to a beautiful viewpoint. That's just fun to imagine. Ken, uh, what's your answer to Liam's question? Did you have that uh, Twin Sons moment? I mean, this is, yeah, this is fascinating. Uh, Let's start another podcast called uh, Star Wars, uh, Looking Back at Your Life Through the Star Wars Lens. Uh, Long (laughs) title. We'll work on it. Uh, yeah, and I, I, it, it depends because he's talking about a photo at a moment and staring out and, and there's some spiritual stuff and some literal stuff there. So I want to make sure I'm always answering the question as directly as possible. But I've had those moments of the spirit of that that Luke looking out and we, you and I have talked so many times before and we'll, and we'll keep talking about it because it's one of the greatest moments for a reason is is that uh, there's a bigger world. I want to be a part of it. Ah, I, I look so, it looks away. I don't think I can be a part of it. No, man, how do I get out there? There's all those things kind of at play with Luke, right? And I, yeah, I have a, I have had those moments. Uh, I think I've even talked about a Force Center before of graduating uh, high school and getting in my 1981 Ford Fairmont, uh, something you and I share in common. <laughs> Fairmont is our first car, and heading uh, listening to the Beatles, "Baby, You're a Rich Man," staring driving off into the uh, Central Coast sun over the the uh, ocean there, um, my hometown near Pismo Beach, and just feeling, hey, I've got that behind me. But it's a little different than Luke, who was like still there but i was still in my hometown there was actually i was staring at sand dunes ironically enough uh so there's that and those kind of moments and and i look back and, and remember that more than have a, a a picture of it uh it's a mental picture of the bigger galaxy my place in it and, and a lot of the moments too of i i i really connect with luke that the moment look 
I always say the moment of him looking down is the, uh, it's just, I'll never get out of here. I'll never do it. I'll never be there. And I just uh, remember looking out the uh, window of my radio station I was working at at the time and at three in the morning. And I'd already been, I'd been fired from the morning show, took the graveyard spot and didn't know what was next. And just looking out at a quiet city, small city, but looking out at a, at a, at a dead quiet city at night and just wondering what else is out there for me and can I get there? And I'd like to get there. And that just, that's both the two sides, the hope and the doubt of what Luke's feeling. Yeah, no, that's so great. Right. Uh, that great line from Obi-Wan of that's your uncle talking, right. You know, that he's hearing his uncle's voice in that beautiful line where he's looking out there with that feeling of hope of there's something more for me. I know it. I, I know I need to get out there and, and figure out who I am, who I'm supposed to be, what what's out there. Uh, hell, I just want to have some excitement and adventure, all those feelings mixed with, you know, that emotion that makes him kick the sand, <laughs> which I love in that shot of just, uh, and I love what you're saying of that mix of hope and, and doubt, hope and, and fear that you're never going to get out there, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. You just don't, and you know, I, I was 20, uh, 21 maybe at the time at most. And yeah, you just, you just, it, it's, it's infinite. That, that thing, that, that wall in front of you just goes on forever if you don't know if you don't believe that you can climb it, which is yeah. a lot of us deal with that in a lot of different ways. Yeah, absolutely. And I love what Liam is saying about, I had that moment and I didn't even really connect it to Star Wars because that's not where I was in my head at the time, but now I am. And now I, I realize that was my twin son's moment. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that is what is so powerful about that moment. And one of the things that has just always made that first film just sing it, yeah. is that scene. Because I think even if you don't, take a second to think about it in your conscious mind. We've all had those moments, right? Yes. Uh, and, and this is such a great question from Liam because it makes you, you know, go back and go when, what, when were those moments, uh, you know, because it's probably more than once. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I have kind of two versions. Um, one is the being hyper conscious of it. And I think I mentioned this on a recent uh, episode, so I'll keep it short. But, you know, when I finally kind of had Star Wars in the home again, Mm. and had it on not again had it in, in the home for the first time and had it on vhs and i could like watch it a lot that moment really spoke to me because i was so eager to get out there and start my life and mm. i had my uh my small bedroom in the back of uh my parents house in north minneapolis and it had a uh, a door that opened uh to a just a tiny little balcony that uh, wouldn't hold human weight. So even the balcony was like a metaphor for like, you truly can't get out there. You can open the door to look outside, but you can't even step outside. You will fall through and land on the kitchen and break, you know, your leg. Uh, so I remember really thinking like, I'm Luke. I'm I'm staring out, not at the beauty of the Twin Suns, it's just uh, North Minneapolis, trees and electric poles, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. as far as the eye can see. But I know I, I want to get out there and there's got to be something for me. Um, so that was a real conscious one. Um, and then, you know, a few years later, once I was out in the world, I had just started kind of poking uh, my foot into doing, uh, comedy and theater. And I really had my eyes on this specific venue that I wanted to perform at. And for myself at that age, at that time, that was like the benchmark of like, I, I can get, if I can get my foot in the door, I can keep going. Yeah. Uh, and we, we tried a couple of times and we didn't get booked and we finally got booked at this uh, venue in Minneapolis, which, uh, I ended up performing there a ton a ton over the years it became a real second home uh for a long time uh it is called the the bryant lake bowl and if people remember a little while back um there was this amazing drone video 
uh, that everybody was resharing on Twitter of like, look at this drone expertly going through this uh, restaurant. It's got a bowling alley too, and there's a theater. I guess weird. Who would do who would do theater shows next to a bowling alley? Uh, I would for years, for decades. Uh, it was so amazing to see that. That's yeah. my place. And uh, so once we finally got booked there, you know, we had a tech rehearsal and. Uh, the the guy who was running at the time ended up being kind of a, a friend and a mentor, but he had a really firm, like you show up on time. Uh, the, you know, if you're early on time, you're on time. Uh, if you're on time, you're late. If you're late, it's unacceptable. Have the, these scripts. Like it was a real, like, don't screw this up. This is yeah. your chance, you know? Uh, so I was there early with everything I was supposed to have. And I got there before, you know, my other friends I was doing the show with, and I had this moment just alone in the theater on the stage. Uh, and it was a little bit of like the, okay, I'm at the cusp of, being able to move into you know yeah the horizon you know ah that's great uh that one that one resonates me with me too and other things we'll we'll discuss some other time but that's wonderful that's wonderful and, and again all this this is all this comes out of star wars this is why we engage with star wars on this level it really does uh inspire all these kind of thoughts and memories yeah yeah and i can't wait to to hear your memories of uh staring out at stages <laughs> <laughs> it, well it was it was a negative experience it was standing on the groundling stage going well that wraps up that dream <laughs> <laughs> i've definitely had some that wraps up that dream uh moments as well which we, we can have our uh, our dark moody late at night podcast we record with some whiskey yeah well yeah, was that our twin moons moment when things are going down i don't know <laughs> Uh, but we all have them. We all have our ups and downs. And that's a great thing about Star Wars is it uh, it definitely is not just triumph. It's uh, how to deal with it uh, when you're having those darker moments as well. But thank you, Liam, for sharing the, uh, this great thought and uh, listening. Uh, these great thoughts and uh, memories from me and Ken. And I'm sure a lot of people listening. Uh, thank you also to Brian Alejo and Anthony. Those are our questions, Ken. Those are our questions. Thank you so much for those questions. And hey, if you want to ask us a question or connect or reach out, here's some ways to do it. We are on Twitter at Force Center Pod. We're on Instagram and YouTube as well. Facebook page is Force Center Podcast. And the podcast is available on Anchor, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Amazon Music, and Spotify. Merch is available at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. You can support us directly at patreon.com slash Force Center. Again, if you heard the top of the show, that commemorative poster going to be through patreon uh there you go uh, check in over there we got our own stuff as well uh you can uh, support me by going to uh, at ken knapsack or just go to my website kenapsack.com got a comedy show coming up locally in la august uh, 31st the haha cafe check out details there and just started a new show a radio show on mix cloud called ken Napsack's pop rock and radio so if you like music and you want to celebrate uh, just a little mixtape for your soul Find me on Mixcloud. Joseph, what do you got? Uh, yeah, I, I want to listen to you spin some tunes like Claude. That'll be great. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> great. Spin them tunes. Uh, you can find me on social media. Twitter, Instagram, TikTok is at Joseph Scrimshaw. And for all of my other comedy adventures, you can find me uh, on my website at josephscrimshaw.com with links to uh, other podcasts and shows I've written for and comedy albums I've recorded and all sorts of stuff like that josephsgrimshot.com a uh, final thing for me uh we like to sometimes uh, highlight uh, issues of importance uh to us uh, either places and people to support or things to be aware of if you happen to live in california uh there is a very important election coming up on september 14th uh most likely you've already been sent a ballot there's lots of different ways to vote but there is a question of a recall of a governor and it's one of those kind of things that sometimes i feel like um 
can slip by. And I think however you choose to vote, it is very important to be aware of the election and participate in my opinion. So I wanted to make sure anybody listening in California is aware of that vote on September 14th. You, sir, uh, reminded me that I've got uh, out there in my living room an unopened uh, voting packet for that vote, <laughs> an election that I got to make sure I get my mail and all that stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. Well done, sir. You, 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 you reminded me. So hopefully reminding others out there as well. Uh, that is it for this week. Thank you. Everyone who has supported us, no matter what point you join the Four Center Journey, episode one, episode 1000, doesn't matter. We're so happy to have you here making up our Star Wars community. So until next time, for Joseph and Jennifer and any Star Wars character ready to take those relics back, this has been Four Center. the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.